Welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is filmed live on Zoom and features two hosts, comedian Sajila Kershey and Julian Hall, that's me. And we always have two guests guiding us through the trials and tribulations of Twitter. This week we had Steve N. Allen, the comedian known for his regular appearances on The Mash Report, and actor Shobu Kapoor, who will be familiar to many of you for her roles in EastEnders and also in Citizen Khan. There was plenty to talk about. It had just been revealed that Boris Johnson had had a four-year affair with Jennifer R. Curie. A huge container ship called the Ever Given had blocked the Suez Canal, causing chaos and a fair few memes besides. Among other tweets we had time to discuss was whether or not a Covid tax could be successfully applied after the pandemic to help pubs and restaurants. I hope you enjoy the show and please do follow us at LKTZoom for more information and updates. Good evening and welcome. It's Sunday night. My name is Julian Hall and this is Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. I'll be doing that with my co-host, Ajila Kershey, and two fabulous guests, comedian Steve N. Allen and actor Shobu Kapoor. Uh, we'll be a safe space, relatively speaking, to unpack all that is good and bad about Twitter. And uh, before we get on to doing that, without too much further ado, uh, if you're watching us on the streams, on YouTube, on Twitch or on Facebook, there's still time to get in to the Zoom room via Eventbrite, where you can share your tweets with us uh, ask questions, make comments and so forth. If you're just going to watch us from the stream, no problem at all. Um, but do, please do follow us at LKT Zoom and obviously tweet at that same handle if you've got any comments or suggestions or tweets that you'd like to share. So that's the admin out of the way. Sajila, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Hello world out there. Um, yeah, I'm good. I think it's been a quite a busy week, isn't it, for news uh, and, and for Twitter as always. And I, I've been following it with great interest. Uh, I hope I hope others have got things to contribute to, and I'm really excited about our guest. I've had a good week. What about you? Sunshine? It's yeah, we're booked in for two days of amazing sunshine. You know, obviously everybody knows if they've been watching us how important that is to me. Um, I shall be taking the next two days off <laughs> to celebrate <laughs> the British spring and summer, and, and that's probably all we'll get. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a pretty packed week, uh, tweet wise as well, and we have got a stuffed. I would like to say post bag, but that was a bit old school, isn't it? We've got a stuff Twitter likes section, essentially, um, to do to go through. Um, and I can now introduce our first guest, who is uh, Mr. Steve N. Allen, if you would like to unfurl yourself, to use the language of flags. Hello. Hello, Hello Steve. How are you? Um, I'm just, I'll just introduce you. You are, of course, uh, known to many as the uh, one of the regulars of the MASH report as Tom, the newsreader, and also as a co-host of Comics Solving Problems, along with Eric McElroy, who uh, we've had on the show before, of course, and also the author of Last of the Year, Despite a Pandemic. Um, <laughs> no, Lasted Another Year, Despite a Pandemic, I yeah. should say. Um, which is and more than one book, years old, that's And true. more than one years old. And a fantastic uh, sort of anthology of uh, newspaper columns that you wrote uh, it last year covering the entire pandemic. So uh, how are you and how's that going? 
Um, it's go. How's the pandemic going? Um, <laughs> I, I'm still here. You know, I've almost, well, I would say almost lasted yet another year. I suppose I haven't, have I? I've only made it off almost to the end of March. So there's still plenty of, plenty of time left for things to go even worse. But um, yeah, I mean, look, sometimes I think surviving a year is something to be proud of. And the last year was definitely one of those. I remember at the end of the year, I was listening to the radio and uh, what's that? John Lennon song came on with the lyrics. And so this is Christmas and what have you done? And I thought, not a lot, but it's really not my fault this year, John. It wasn't, I didn't, couldn't even leave the house for most of it. So maybe step back. I did more than you did, John Lennon. Um, so yeah, that's how it's going so far. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that's true. Setting the bar nice and high there, Steve. <laughs> In a competition with the dead. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, that's true. And last year was not necessarily the, the, the best year to sort of uh, kind of evaluate that kind of uh, shindig. It's true. But we're all we're all dying to sort of we're all under starters orders, really, aren't we? And, you know, the freedom date and all of that. And let's see how that goes. I think the freedom dates probably can start tomorrow with the crazy sunshine and just general feeling of uh, a little maybe letting a bit too loose. I don't know. We'll should see. Sitting um, on a bench, you can do that tomorrow. It's one of those things, isn't it? Oof. Sitting on a bench. I've been waiting a long time, I have to say. <laughs> so, Julie, would you like to introduce our next guest? Yes, with the of the of the special effects, um, I'm going to uh, welcome a, a very good old friend of mine who we've worked many times before. Um, she's an award-winning actor, writer, director, producer and poet. Uh, she's had a very long and varied career, has seen her work on TV, notable roles include Gita and EastEnders. Uh, she was one of the first Asian women for me as a fellow Asian woman who was on the screen. So she's like a trailblazer, uh, very few of them. And, uh, and I'm very proud of her, uh, all the work that she does. She's performed at her poetry at the Co Poetry Cafe. She's writing a screenplay and also working on a one woman show, which we're going to hopefully hear a little bit more about, which is going to be touring in 2022 when the world is not normal. It's uh, it's Shukapur and Happy Holly. <laughs> hello, hello. hello Shukapur. Yeah, look, I've, I've, Happy Holly. Look, I'm I've wearing red look, you. with a gold... Um... Thing. This is this is my contribution to Holi. I'm such a bad ex-Indian though. I don't celebrate Holi, which for those of you who don't know, is the festival of spring. And it's when I was a child, you used to get up extra early and make these buckets of colored water and fill balloons with colored water. Do you remember, Sajila? And I, then well, yeah, this I've never actually celebrated. This is the thing. It's like I've, I love from afar. So, oh, okay. uh, but I've never actually physically, and I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to take part, but of course, lockdown means that we can't celebrate. Yeah, if you can tell, um, you know, people out there and of course, uh, you know, us, what, what Holly is, because you're normally throwing around um, lots of colours, aren't you? Lots of colours, powders, coloured water, and you basically, the aim is to get as much colour onto people's faces and clothes people would wear white. So wearing red is not necessarily appropriate, but this would be more in the evening. In the daytime, you would wear white. I mean, you may, I, I say you would because I grew up in India and I celebrated Holi and did all that while I was growing up in India. Haven't done it since I came to the UK, since I grew up. And my daughter, who's uh, with us on this uh, call, ha knows more or less nothing about her Indian heritage. And that is all my fault. And so we've not celebrated Holy, she might have done in India at some point, but yeah, I mean, it's the festival of spring, it's welcoming. It's the equivalent um, of having a couple of hot days coming up and, you know, um, freedom and all that kind of stuff that you were mentioning, Julian. So happy Holy that I'm drinking. Yeah, happy Holy. Yeah, so as you can see, the background behind me is like people throwing up these colored powders 
um, into the air and then covering each other with powder, um, which sounds like great fun to me. Um, but yeah, happy holiday, everyone, everyone is listening in. Um, and, and of course, uh, all our festivals and celebrations are having to wait till we have, uh, you know, reduced lockdown. Um, I want to just, before we move on, just want to ask you quickly about this one woman show that you're going to be touring. Have you been writing during lockdown? I, you know, I found that, actually found this on Twitter, that people were, there were lots of people who were saying, oh gosh, it's lockdown, time to create it, you can write all those shows and things, and then others were saying, I can't do any writing. I was in the latter group, and I wasn't really able to, you know, just kind of the brain, brain freeze for a year, but it's something that I started in 2019, and I did an extract of it at a festival in Milton Keynes, so yeah, I need to kind of gear up to that again and hopefully next year inshallah fingers crossed who knows eh yep okay cool and what about you steve i know we spoke before off camera last time we, we had a little chat um have you been creating this 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 past year because there's so much pressure to kind of be creative during lockdown i mean i've kept busy by doing the show with eric so we've been knocking out two shows a week other than that not really i mean there have been weeks where i've not done much other than just lie on the sofa just dealing with whatever life throws at you. And then other times where I've just been full of ideas, but they've not necessarily come to anything because that sofa beckons again. So at some <laughs> point when I managed to get some uh, some umph behind me, yeah, some of this could actually work. <laughs> yeah, which is how this idea came about, wasn't it, Julian, for you? <laughs> yeah, basically, I mean, you've got to have at least, I say there was no pressure on lockdown, but you've got to have at least one idea in the last, uh, the last <laughs> year. So what fantastic batting average that is. Uh, now, sometimes we we sometimes forget to ask this question, but the sort of begin the start of ten, if you like, is uh, is to ask our guests what their sort of biggest entanglement with Twitter is. Now, uh, Shobhu, I was talking to you before, and you were saying that you are a fairly sort of light light tweeter, um, and that you know um, that you don't necessarily get sort of too super involved. But since I don't know how many years you've been on Twitter, but what what sort of for you is your kind of memorable Twitter moment? Neither do I uh, know how long I've been on Twitter. Um, I think the thing that I tend to do mostly is uh, I go there for my news, the headlines, you know, what's trending, and then uh, read all the, and I think I mentioned to you earlier, I find it quite astounding, the comment section on, you know, yeah. what, oh my Lord, the way people kind of can just be so vituperative um, I don't know if I have any super um, Twitter moment. There was there was something, I can't remember what it was I did. Where I, you know, you can go and look how many people have engaged with your tweets or whatever that little, yeah. whatever it's called. And then at one point, and do you know, I can't actually remember what the tweet was that did that, but it got five, over 5,000. Wow. I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, why does that take so long coming? And then the rest of it goes into the 20s, 30s, if I'm lucky, you know, because I don't. Oh, I uh, dream of the 20s and 30s, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the I thought you were just the five. <laughs> <laughs> You're all putting yourselves down. But no, someone, so you had, you had your 5,000 likes, but you don't actually remember what it was, though. <laughs> wow. Just so I think casual, what it was, was I happened to come, you, you tweet back, you know, you piggyback on somebody else's tweet. And I think it was one of those where whatever this was had a huge following and I happened to retweet it and maybe made a comment about it or something. It's a few years, it's a while back. 
if I'd known that, I would have looked, I would have uh, gone there and looked it up. Yeah, that was so, I that wanted was to kind of, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. So I know, sorry, I've just asked totally me that. Yeah, can I just sort of, sort of cut in there? I was going to say, do you do not find that obviously when you are a public figure and you've been, you know, on, on an established uh, TV programme, that those nights, like when you were in EastEnders, obviously we didn't have Twitter, but, um, you know, with, with Citizen Khan, do you find you're getting that, you know, those kind of moments where, you get loads of a flurry of I've been with you out in public and you you get stopped like every five minutes we can't make it to one end of the road to the other without some Asian person <laughs> coming over and saying oh and I'm like oh it's me about my comedy and it's nothing to do with me they just push me out of the way <laughs> and well, it's that's like... all fading now you know Citizen Khan I mean EastEnders was over a quarter of a century ago ah, that old... <laughs> and uh, Citizen Khan was already finished like I think five years ago so that's uh, reducing um, but yeah, no, I mean, as far as Twitter is concerned, I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I think I'm not because I, I don't tend to put out much personal, like Quite private, you know, if you don't do that, then you need to start a conversation. I've not started any conversations. However, of course, our other guest is the complete opposite. You're always starting conversations, twisted conversation starter, twisted conversation starter. 90s yeah. reference, loving it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was actually, yeah, I started, well, I started uh, Twitter years ago when I was doing an Edinburgh show and the guy I was sh uh, sharing a flat with had paid loads of money to get some sort of expert to tell him how to plug the show. And basically the advice was, well, get on Twitter. So I thought oh, I ought to sign up for an account. And then I didn't do anything with it for about two years. And then I started live tweeting TV shows. You know, I'd sit there and watch Super Size versus Super Skinny. Oh, I might as well. If I don't have a gig tonight, I'll watch it. And if I think of something funny, I'll live tweet it. And I used to love doing that. I think the problem with it is that the joy that you get from a good gig, you can get from doing a tweet that gets loads of likes and retweets, but you don't get paid for it. I've weaned myself <laughs> off of professional work and onto sitting there being a bit snarky on Twitter. Um, so it probably wasn't a good career move, but then since <laughs> always tweeting stuff and these days doing videos and stuff keeps me busy, but not busy earning. Mm. It's, yeah. all it's all profile though, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it? I, I, mean, I mean, this year, basically comedians got paid in likes anyway. So yeah, that's <laughs> true. I had plenty of those in the bank. That was nice. Right, but speaking you, you, of, yeah, we've got, got tweets to talk about now. Yes, we? well, exactly. we've got the speaking of to... likes, I think it might be time for, yeah. I'm, I'm tempted to start with a section that I shall now be calling, I like big boats and I cannot lie, or uh, what was the, let's talk about boats, baby. Can I, there can only be one uh, subject, can that is the, it's the evergreen, sorry, it's the ever given stuck in the Suez Canal. Uh, so it's the, the, type, the boat is called ever given, but I believe the, the company is evergreen, isn't it? I think that's the distinction. Not, not at all confusing. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the best. So I'm wondering where to start because that's the best tweet um, uh, on that. And I'm sorry, I was also wondering whether to save the well, best to last. Okay, I was going to say. I saw this one um, by <laughs> unpronounce unpronounceable. Uh, basically, picked <laughs> up on a tweet from a journalist, I believe. Um, yeah, from the Economist, Tom Nuttall, who said. Please don't ruin the Suez story <laughs> with your dumb memes. Oh, dumb memes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So obviously, you know, in the first response to that is uh, dumb memes. And then uh, the digger is his tweet. So the, this, the digger and the uh, ever given is, a, you know, a big one. 
as well as the boat itself. And the first thing that I, I have to say, the first thing that I thought of was, uh, oh, here we go. I, I also like this one from the Pixel Factor. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, it's manna from heaven, isn't it, really? <laughs> Dracaris, fantastic. Uh, I did imagine, Im immediately make me think of The Wire as well, uh, which has been picked up by The Wire out of context. But Steve, uh, you've got, I think, it's a sort of possibly the pick of the uh, of the tweets on this. I'm just going to find it from Jessica Ambatia. There it is. And let's let it play out in all its glory. <laughs> <laughs> Simples. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, so did you have a good way? I love the way he's sort of pushing it up the canal as well. He's got a few more boats behind it to, uh, to push up, but, you know, we're nearly there. Oh so I think possibly first prize for that. Steve, did, did you do, um, and that's that's massing up the, the numbers now. It's on quite a, a modest number early. Were you, uh, is that something that just you came across or were you actually looking at the series uh, no, uh, I don't know who someone I follow must have retweeted it and I saw it and I, I like the fact that now we know that social media is an echo chamber. I always like to judge myself by what I'm seeing because, you know, the, the algorithm probably knows me better than I know myself. So the fact that that is what the algorithm thought I would find entertaining rather than any kind of serious thing. I'm sure there are some people sat there on their social media. And they're actually reading about how bad this is and how it's going to be uh, an impact for uh, the economy and there'll be boring stuff like that. I want to see funny Photoshop memes. <laughs> so I'm glad that's what I get because that's the problem. It's a serious story, but I don't want it to be. I don't care if it's going to be bad for the environment. I know I should but give us something to laugh about. It's it makes me feel better about my parking at the very least. Give me that. <laughs> I guess we're saying similar last week, Lucy Porter um, and uh, Sean McLaughlin, that we just want to, you know, when it's serious, you just want to, as a comedian, you just want to go down the comedy route. You just want mm -hmm. it to just want to break that kind of ice. And I think uh, that's probably, it, 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 it does in a bad news week, but we were thinking it was going to be heavy last week. And the, and, and our, the comedians, they just bring it. It's great because they bring those little, you know, moments of, of, of hilarity. That was a lovely, lovely tweet to pick though, Julian. Was that yours? No, that's that's Steve's. Um, that's Steve. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, it's my totally. face. <laughs> but I, I wanted to, whilst we were talking, I just wanted to show you a couple of the others. One of them was the uh, um, Angelis Once from uh, Argentina, I believe, has picked. I'm not sure if it's her tweet originally, but certainly that she's hers is the one that I saw hashtag, which is basically uh, somebody <laughs> advertising clothes so that you can dress yourself up as if you are the shit. <laughs> <laughs> or all the 90 or otherwise known as the 1970s i think but yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, that is quite, well they've not flared enough for the trouser but yes that's true they are not flared enough it's got to be said uh, i think there were a how would i know how would i know what it was like then hmm. oh <laughs> darling yes we wouldn't have a clue we were not even born forget about being babies or anything certainly not teenagers Oh, there was a there was a tweet I should say while you're looking for for tweets yeah, yeah, um, yeah. from Wendy Wasson this week about actresses uh, not saying that they've had the uh, the um, the vaccine because it might give their ages away, uh, which I thought was quite <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd have forgotten to like it and bring it to the table, but it was from Wendy Wasson. Um, oh, and, and men don't have the thing. So I, when I was saying that I'd got it, I was quite happy to say that I'd got the vaccine because I'd got it on health reasons then that was mortified when everyone said oh and then oh my god no no that's not <laughs> yeah um, I, just picked, so that I think an honorable mention as well to, to nick hyde who's found 
um, two accounts that have been started. Uh, one, one is the guy with the digger at Suez Canal, and the other one is the MS Evergiven. Love so MS Evergiven. It's <laughs> each other as well. There's, uh, yeah, it's certainly a, a sort of nice outpouring of, of creativity, I have to say. So we started happy. I, I, yeah, I don't we, think started, we started happy. Uh, but I don't so know. Just have a quick question, if yes, I may, as I mentioned, may. Julian, about why aren't they taking the cargo off the ship to lighten the load and then get it afloat? Why they is that then. not happening? Yeah, that's the that is the latest. Uh, that's the latest information. Yeah, that, yeah, that is the plan. You're right. I mean, it, it's great that that question that you had. If someone would have thought that weeks ago, this would have been better. Instead, they deployed one digger to be like, I'm sure that'll be fine. Well, I, 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 thought, I thought that would be obvious from the very beginning. The thing is stuck. I mean, you know, yes, I am a naval. My father was in the Navy. He was a merchant Navy. But I don't know that much technically about ships. But if a ship is down because it's heavy, it's stuck. You, you, if a car is stuck, don't you do the same thing? You get everybody out and all your... Yeah grab out of the car, pull it, pull it up, you push it along. Um, anyway. Well, just... I, they were waiting I, I for a high tide, but that didn't work, apparently. <laughs> well, that is the, I mean, the thing is, my theory on that is that the people who were responsible for actually getting us, getting the boat out of this mess were all too busy making memes. So, we could be here for a while, lads. We might as well enjoy it. And we've uh, got what greedy when you and big people... for our boots and our boots have got stuck in this mud. Our greedy boots have got stuck in this mud. Sorry, Steve. No, I was thinking this is that we always moan about whenever there's a crime, people don't intervene. They just get their phones out and film it. The same must be happening for non-crimes, like when a big thing like that gets stuck in the Suez Canal. Instead of anyone helping, maybe it could have been pushed away quite early doors, but everyone's like, I'm taking a few pictures of this. This is going to be gold dust on the internet. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what 12% of the world's economy behind it or something crazy like that. Oh, my word. Right. Now, who wants to, who wants to, does anyone want to steer me as where I we think, go now? I think, Shilpa, have you got, have you got something? Because I just had Steve's one. So where we got, uh, we yeah. just start, um, did you pick the holy one? There's a. I picked the holy one just in relation to because oh, okay. the, the farmers uh, yeah, are yeah. saying no to these, uh, to these, to these laws. I mean, I'll be honest and say, I don't know terribly much about it, but the, the, <laughs> I, what I do know is that there have been lots and lots of farmers protests, you know, for months on end, they went to Delhi, they went, and the kind of thing that I'm extracting from all this is the fact that, you know, and I might well be on a, a you know, what's the, when you want to kill somebody, you know, what do you call it? Uh, what happened to Salman Rushdie? He got a what? Oh, uh, fatwa. 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 So I might get the Hindu equivalent of a fatwa. But basically, the country's a dictatorship that, you know, Modi is, it's just extraordinary, the kind of stuff that's happening. And these people have been out there on the roads and, you know, literally sacrificing themselves because if they don't have their livelihood, they have nothing. So, um, and, you know, holy, actually, you do have your holy fires, you burn, but you throw, you know, these are religious things normally. And it's supposed to be, it's quite weird because it's supposed to be a festival of spring and rebirth and aliveness and all good things. And they're throwing in these laws and burning them because they're not fair. They're not good. Who's to blame? Is it Modi? Is it? Is it? Who's? 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 You know? Do you have? A... I I would say it's Modi because I think he's a dictator and I think he's horrendous and I think the whole Hindu, you know, the whole Hindu right is is very dangerous. But I think that we are 
in a situation the world over where the right is taking over, taking over so many countries all over the place. And I, I just don't, I mean, the common people, what's happening in Myanmar right now? You know, you just can't, uh, it, it's just, just dictators and people in power against humans, against the mass of humanity. And this is just another instance of that. Do I you think, think that Twitter and, you know, especially such a huge platform uh, globally can, yeah. and I mean, you know, we look at the Arab Spring and, and you know, other, other kind of movements and things that, that, that we've raised awareness. We've talked about like activism through Twitter. Do you think Twitter can be, can be used for power of good as well as evil? Of course, as anything can, right? Anything can be used for the power of good and the power of evil. The question is about the long lasting effects. I think the, for me, the thing around Twitter or, or social media in general is it, it seems very, um, what's the word, you know, when it goes by quickly, it's not effervescence, it's evanescent. Uh, you know, when it, yeah. you're transient, yeah. Transient, so yeah. the question is whether something can, uh, can hold and stick. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I hope, I hope for good rather than evil, but who knows, eh? But the right has also risen through. I'm quite well aware that the, the, the you know popularity has also been helped along by social media. So I just wondered if we could like to, you know, if we well we do, I know we do, but I just wondered your thoughts. Uh, and Stephen, what what, what what do you think? Do you think that um, we can, um, as well as you know, like what, what what's the balance out there in terms of getting things? sorted yeah. shit sorted in the world i mean the democratization of getting access to a platform to get a message out should be good as we saw with as you mentioned the arab spring it means that you can't then as some sort of a leader shut down the ability to cover a story and it never get heard of so that is priceless really but you're right when you then look at what happened over a longer period of time with the democratization of internet you basically end up with loads of videos with bizarre crackpot theories about flat earths and whatever catching on. So that doesn't make me think it's a necessarily, it's a force for good because there is something that convinces us about being able to say things. It's probably, probably along the lines of the fact that it's, especially if you look at something that looks real on the internet, be it a video or something that looks like a page from a news website, it's so easy to fake or you, you give it the credence in part simply because it looks right. So that's why you can start to follow some sort of a rabbit hole of logic that ends up with, uh, you know, making some sort of someone become, you, you know, a believer of flat earth or whatever. Yeah, so, so then you can't to... believe in anything in that sense. There was a thing recently, you just reminded me, if I may quickly say, there were two photos side by side and it was a labor, uh, you know, a lot of labor followers and, and one placard said, thank you for being our leader. It was from Corbyn times. And then on the left, there was another picture, same picture, and the thing had been altered to say uh, labor. So remove, um, you know, remove the um, thing to do with, to with being our leader. And that's what you say, yeah, that's scary. What can you trust? I have no idea. I don't know what fake news is, what non-fake news is, whether on Twitter or elsewhere. So yeah, good question. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. Uh, well, I mean, deep, yeah, and deep fake videos and, and all the rest of it. I mean, the technology with AI and uh, yeah, it's incredible, the really. Johnny Depp thing, I, yeah. I just thought, I just thought, oh, I just Johnny suddenly, Depp. when it came across my mind, when you said oh, Corbyn so. times, it sounded so prehistoric. And, that, that's, you know, <laughs> uh, and for many Sadly, people, it has it become prehistoric. potentially was, but there you go. Um, so, Gina, this actually makes me think of a tweet that you've uh, added into the pot. It's actually about the second... Um, 
sort of riot in Bristol, and it was about the, the policing. And uh, it's the uh, woman who basically makes the point that would any, would the sort of scrutiny, um, Anna Rose Woods um, basically says, once again, I'm scrolling through a timeline of police hitting journalists and cavalry charging people shouting, peaceful protest. I'm thinking about how I didn't see any of this before I was on Twitter. So this is a great example of how it's actually yeah. working the other way as well. It is, you know, there is, there's an awful lot of material out there. Obviously you're going to be struck by some of the control and some of the kind of some more despotic totalitarian usage of it. But, but nonetheless, there is also a lot of um, footage that's being shared on the ground from protests, admittedly um, from the first protests, the footage was somewhat different to the to what it was in the second protest, uh, and that's on that also sort of leads us onto the wider question of policing. But the point being made here is is very much, um, you know, no, now we're like really hyper aware of this, so we're getting sort of information streamed as literally in in sort of much much faster. But in terms of how that's processed and how that's used, you know, I don't know if we're I don't know if that's pushing things forward. I think it is in some in some realms, or whether it's actually creating a bit of a limbo. Well, I think uh, the public has become Kate Aidy, who was my favourite like war correspondent. Literally, you've got millions of Kate Aidys with their little phones and their cameras, and they are reporting the news as it breaks. Uh, but you know, it, yes, it's clumsy. It's not. It's not. But it, sometimes we're hearing stuff for the first time from just ordinary people, not from the news outlets. And so when we sort of discuss what what do we find truthful or fake, I'm trusting the public to like if it's it, they're in the moment, you know, they're in the march, whatever this is happening. I'm trusting that footage to see what I'm seeing. However, I also am aware. Uh, so a, a, a former media studies student, it's like when you crop back, what is what is the bigger picture here? Are you just seeing the cropped version that still can be, um, you know, kind of manipulated to get your own angle on that we don't know what happened minutes before that we don't know what happened minutes after that however it does access that we can't you things can't you can't hide things from the public anymore like news outlets had that power before i wonder although that you know we are using this medium now twitter i think the power is with the people and that's through social media as much as it's used by the authorities and, and, and big names and politicians and and, and so forth it's also used by ordinary people to get messages across and i think it, it's still a minefield but i think that's a positive thing i don't know i think but, steve is the is the press person here so he's the one to answer this really well i i think half of that i totally agree with it that the access to the internet is given um, is removed control from those who previously had it the gatekeepers no longer have the ability to kill a story and stop us seeing it but for a while, the power then went to the people, but I don't think it does anymore. It's too much information, automated curation, and you know the echo chambers that we hear about, it's a big editing thing that happens. Plus also what happened with Cambridge Analytica, the whole thing was about other people are now clever enough to manipulate the mm. way that the internet serves you information, and they then get control, whether it's because they can send one advert to exactly the, the demographic that you are, you will want to read these words and it will convince you, or it will be people are clever enough to realize if you make this, if you get the stickiness of the message, that wins over. I know like the only books I've ever got around to reading in my youth were Malcolm Gladwell ones, but in oh. the whole tipping point thing, if you get a sticky message, it will win. 
So the control over who's clever enough to do the research to pick the message that will go viral will win over those people who take an honest picture, tweet it, and you get your five likes that we're all happy about. But so are you saying that it's the algorithms that are in charge of all this? Because you talked about how you get shown a picture that your algorithm that knows you better than you know yourself knows that you will find interesting. So even if people on the ground are doing honest reporting, as it were, it's still already manipulated before each one of us sees it. But yeah, I don't think the algorithm would be in in control. I think you just have to accept that that happens because there's too much information. You you need some sort of filtering service and that's what what an algorithm would do. But the person who can analyze how the algorithm's working and use it to achieve a goal that is not directly the thing they're setting out for, so manipulating it, they're the person who's then in charge. The person who's wise enough to use that bizarre part of the internet that we don't really get direct access to can win over other people who are just, you know, sending a picture and it doesn't do anything. I mean, there have been a few instances of uh, scenes of uh, civil unrest. I'm not, I'm not thinking of the, the recent Bristol ones, but there have been previous instances where saying somebody says, oh, look at this terrible riot in, you know, wherever it might be. And it turns out that the footage is like five years old and from a completely different part <laughs> of the world. But, you know, your brain is eventually going, mm, violence bad, which, you know, obviously it is, but it's literally just accepting you know what you've been given we, we still have a trust i think we still have a kind of trust mechanism um you know within us that you know we want to believe maybe it's just me just sort of you know, being naive but i think there's a i think there is that you know we're constantly being that's constantly being played on is that people know that they want to believe you know that's why we have scams of all sorts of kinds that are still sort of successful and it, you know it's preying on our trust and that's a it's an unfortunate side of social media, but it also you can see from what you've both been saying about, you know, algorithms, you can just see how the divisive nature of, of politics is reinforced when you have that sort of algorithmic echo chamber, which sounds like a brilliant club, doesn't it? But, you know, and that that is a problem. It's it's a weird because I find it frustrating because I think that Twitter is a brilliant place for nuance to an extent in the sense that I know I can go to some tweeters on a particular subject and I can get different angles from them and that will give me a more rounded view uh, I hope but that isn't necessarily happening I'm not saying I'm like totally virtuous and, and do all the reading but but I try and do that and I, I'm sure that other people either don't have the time or are not inclined to do that May I make a point, which is, it's just, Sally, you know, back in the day, you think when air travel first started, there was this idea that if you went too fast someplace, your soul didn't travel with you. Um, you didn't, you couldn't arrive, you know, there's too much. And I think just putting that to things like social media in general and Twitter in particular, which is very, very fast. I don't think my brain can cope with, I can't arrive before I have a chance to arrive at an understanding or arrive at an opinion, you know, it's a thousand miles away from that. So yeah, I don't know what the solution is, but that's my feeling. Yeah. I'm talking of going fast, let's go. Well, to the let's, let's just, I want, <laughs> let me just, yeah, we should get to another one, but actually it's a great point because there was a, only the other day there was a guy, someone on social media said, look, our brains are just not ready for social media, which is a bit tough because it's here and we have to get used to it, but it's the same way as when the motor car was invented or the escalator was invented, the first people to have those journeys were like so freaked out afterwards they could cope with it. Um, and there is, sure. yeah, so there is a bit of kind of catching up. 
But that's what we're here to do. So let's have another tweet really quickly. Do we want to stay on the police? There's a there's a few more. Fuck the police. Fuck the police. <laughs> no, I don't mean that out there, people. That was just referencing a song. Sorry. <laughs> so well, I mean, there's... well, it, there has been a lot on the police, yeah. hasn't there? And it's, it's almost. I always feel like it's going. We've been because just there's becoming like America. Bill. There's a bill that they are going to get more powers. The way things are being treated, I'm so sorry, I'm really passionate about them jumping in. But the way that the police are starting to behave in this country is the way they've already, they've been behaving in the USA. It's the way they behave in Myanmar. What is the difference between us and the US and dictator police states, you know, whatever states, if this is if this is what's happening? Well, I mean, the rest, the rest of the year round is the difference in the case of uh, Myanmar, because I mean, that is, I think that the scale of the political upheaval is, is somewhat, somewhat different i mean you, no one's gonna no one is with the events whether it was a vigil sarah everard or, or the both bristol protests uh, you know no one is gonna for few people will sit back and say there are no questions to be asked about the police but i also think that we're you know there, there's an escalation of of why these things have obviously happened there's the, the bill at the heart of it but there are Plenty of people on the left who were saying that violence is, is absolutely not the way to, to, well, they were certainly saying that after the first Bristol riot. I know that what we've seen, so next to me is the tweet from Matthew Dress. She works for the, the Mirror, and I think it's, I can't remember who ran the Mirror. It's a reach. Um, uh, but anyway, he was the guy who uh, was one of the, it was a journalist who was sort of caught up in this. And this was the footage that he sort of managed to take before, uh, you know, he was manhandled essentially. Um, I think but Julian, in the interest of balance, I have to say, given what we were just discussing of, you know, what Steve said about um, what we see and what we can perceive, it's not a great video to show. You could say, I, you know, I, I don't. It's not a great video to kind of. I know he says this. I'm not. No reason to be, not believe him, but I. It's it's a very. It's not demonstrative of what he says is happening. It's very hard to say. I mean, I'm yeah, not taking it. I can't. I need a bit more evidence. I'm not taking really. it chapter and verse myself. Yeah. I know that you know he's from a he's from a fairly you know he works with the mirror, you know, and I still count the mirror as you know a reasonably trusted <laughs> that, source. I mean, to be fair, if he worked for the Sun <laughs> as a reporter, I might actually count him as. Isn't it funny how we believe you know. him? Oh, if he works for the Guardian, oh, we would believe him. Well, no, no, but I'm not like done. I don't. I mean, I would, but if he worked for the Guardian or the Times, I would. I don't. I don't split down that way. I probably now have a kind of issue with like well this is this is the much maligned mainstream media essentially and i think that they, they still have that they still standards in the mainstream media that get sort of derided every day on twitter and i think that's uh it just it doesn't tell me this video is there's no point in posting of course this video i understand your sense yeah yeah it's not the whole story no. it's not it is, telling me everything I mean, it it the whole picture but the fact that this could be part of the picture means there's something wrong with the picture like it, it there can be lots of other information, but there are still definitely some questions to ask about why people are being treated like that during a protest. Yeah. They're not outlawed yet, and they shouldn't be. But even if even if they were outlawed, that would be terrible. This is the problem here, that if you remove our ability to protest, this is going to happen all the time. Yeah, no, I agree. And having gone on so many protests myself, I've never, ever seen that kind of police presence. I just, you know, you know, even after the last, I think, Women's March, maybe was it last year before lockdown, January, um, there was it the year before that there was a, a right wing march afterwards. And even that didn't have as many. I've just never seen that. I've never seen that on a march in any march I've ever been to. 
and that this is, is worrying. emulating uh, America. These are the kind of things I would expect to see in America. The, when when you know when we get shown videos of the violence on the streets and stuff with the police. Um, I mean, historically, I think I would say if I saw Bobby on the beat here in the UK, I'd feel reassured. Now mm. I'm scared. That's not good. Do we need to ask who's briefing them though? Who's briefing them to use that aggression and that? violence or is it coming from them because of lockdown and they're frustrated themselves i mean look you know you say briefing but i mean i think in the in the sort of in the heat of the moment there are mistakes that are often made i mean look this uh, i'm not sure if this is quite the the showbiz tweet here i've obviously i've brought up to make the point with the analogy to the to the us um i mean i think it's I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're quite uh, in that situation. But nonetheless, you know, there are things that go wrong. That the police were not operationally; they were, they did not make the right decision for the Sarah Everard vigil. And so many people across the left and right have made that comment. Um, you know, and that has to be. That's a line in the sand, and then a very recent one too. Um, when it comes to Bristol, in terms of what happened the first time, I don't know whether you know it kind of. You just feel that maybe there was a kind of a resentment and an over-preparedness that might have made um, the situation worse. And I, well, I don't have footage of the of the chopping, which is essentially the riot shields with the demonstrators uh, sat down. But you know that is that is that's not that is not a good look. Is an understatement, and yeah, you know, I hate those phrases where they say it's not good optics. Oh, I can't stand that one. That my one. concern is where we are heading you see and i know when you said myanmar is completely different thing it's true but if you look at where we step by step and these things happen little by little your liberties are taken away your you know mm. the nhs being is privatized under from under our feet all this kind of stuff no we're not like america we're not like myanmar we're not like you know uh, brazil or whatever but it, it, it's go we are going in those directions and that's what i'm concerned about i i have to i have to share your concerns in that she'll be that you know human rights uh, this is human rights issues and if you take one right away it's always a slippery road to take other rights away and i'm always really really because obviously we come from countries where we know these, these you know these, these it's so important and we see these things like unfold in front of us and partly yes of course we've got to protect ourselves so all the things that we had in place for for you know for the pandemic is it's fine but i've always been concerned about where we go after the pandemic in terms of you know how information's shared um you know now we've got like this situation and i'll say again who briefed the it's i don't think it's just a mistake if it's a mistake one policeman can make a mistake two three mm. ten you know but then there's like a mob mentality then we've got that's that's not that's why I think it's really important to not get into those sort of echo chambers and be trust your instincts. Why isn't an instinct? That's like, especially with you know the the, the first march, where essentially it, it was many women there. We we're already kind of addressing misogyny and, and violence against women, and then this is per, you know this is kind of just highlights even further. And I I, th I like I said I share your concerns that it's. It is, it is, it's not gone there yet, but I think we need to nip it in the bud to try and assure that we're not going to go down that route. You take one right away, that is always, always going to end badly. Um, what about you, Steve? Do, do you, do you um, kind of feel less kind of 
affected by this or are you kind of sharing similar thoughts where where are you standing on no, this I, I totally agree with you like i mean taking any right would be terrible but here's here's the issue if you are look i'm not necessarily saying this is the malevolent force at work but if you were a bond villain and you were in charge of the country and you thought what would be the first right to take it's protest so that when you take the second right what you're going to do about it it's the thing that yeah. stops the fight back if you can win that fight you've won the rest of it yeah, I just sort of thinking. I'm not laughing at the principal. I'm just laughing at the idea that there'd be a a, a Bond film based on that. So that'd be a slow burner of a Bond film. <laughs> I'd love to, I don't know what the title. <laughs> no, would Mr. Bond, be. I expect you to write letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go back to write to reply. Is it right? Right to reply. They used to have. Um, but yeah, obviously, protest doesn't. Can we just remind, remind people that it's not just protesting on the streets? It's protesting on social media. It's protesting verbally. It's protesting in the workplace when your rights are being eroded in the workplace. You know, there is protest in many different forms. And today, it's protesting in the street. But tomorrow, it could be you can't say what you feel. You can't. You can't challenge authority in any way. And that is a very dangerous place to be because that's when. You, you know, it, it becomes quite fascist and, and, and we're being run by regimes. I mean, I, yeah, I think, by the way, I think the Bond film would be called uh, uh, Dr. No, Please Stop It or Dr. No, Don't Do It Again. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. No means no. Dr. No means no. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> Please tweet us with your suggestions. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is going to go viral on Twitter later. But anyway. Oh, um, dear. That's good. Uh, that's a really good. I mean, we managed to get all the, the the tweets that we had in on that particular issue as well, which is was good. Uh, always makes. And we've got something cheery to go to. Something <laughs> um, more fun. Yeah, Steve, I mean, Steve, what's Steve got to us? Well, yeah, fun. Um, Steve. Um, you've got this. Uh, this one. <laughs> Boris Johnson. Yeah, I did like that tweet. That was a good way of. It really sums up exactly what we're dealing with here. Um, that yeah, all it took in the old days. It was but hang on, just because he has an affair doesn't mean he's a dictator. I mean, if you yes. want to be smarty about it, he's a dictator. Know what I mean? <laughs> he's but, <yeah>. a <laughs> Don't admit he's a dick. We know that. <laughs> but there was okay, there's a serious point about accountability on this tweet, though, isn't there? There is. But again, I mean, let's have the fun about the affair before we start talking about oh, yeah. funds and grants yeah. and things. Um, I, although I also, it dawned on me today that I'd spent so long, given that most of my growing up, I suppose, was during Blair years. And I'd formed an opinion that actually a politician's personal life shouldn't be anything to do with their private life. And I think that you can uh, try and dig down, get some sort of personal facts and ruin someone's career. And I thought it's terrible. And I realised the reason I thought it was terrible because it only would have been happening to people on the left. And now all of a sudden, you know, another 10 years later, I'm like, oh, look at this. It's a shame that I now have to stick to my morals and think that having an affair has nothing to do with getting someone out of a job. It's a shame. But look, I think times have changed. Back in the day, an affair would have ended a career. As you can see on that tweet, so many careers uh, were impacted by it. But it, we just live in a different world. Now, I know we're not America, and I know... I, I get annoyed by the amount of crossover that people have opinions about Donald Trump when he was in charge. And I kept saying, no do with us, not our leader. Like people would be offended on social media if you do a Trump joke, like, oh, you're trying, especially you used to do some BBC stuff as well. You do anything anti-Trump on the BBC back in the day and they people would be annoyed to think, well, hang on, he's just the leader of another country. I'm allowed to do jokes about Kim Jong-un. So maybe, you know, getting your own sort of boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, but Boris Johnson, 
seems to be the mini version of Donald Trump in some issues. And I think this personal life side of it is one of them. You know, an affair is nowhere near as bad as what Donald Trump said on that bus. And that didn't impact his career. So it turns out these days you can uh, get up to all sorts without your trousers and no one's going to mind. Yeah. One of the slightly disturbing things, oh, sorry, just very quickly, I just wanted to realise that when I look, I look down those lists, there's only one of those affairs that I wasn't around for and not cognitive of. Christine <laughs> you know, Keeler? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Keeler. It was a great film, wasn't it? <laughs> That's what it is. It was the film, yeah. Scandal. Yes, the first film I went in as an underage member of the audience, as it were. Anyway. Who was who was playing Kristen Keeler and uh, Joanne Wally Kilmer, or Joanne yeah. Wally as she was then. John um, Hurt was in it, wasn't he? John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, Roland Gift from Finding Uncannibals was in it briefly as well. So, sorry. Anyway, Showbrew, let's not go through the whole cast list. This is an IMDb. <laughs> Well, you know, it looks like an IMDb. <laughs> you click on each name and you come up with, yeah, how many affairs or films or whatever. I just not gonna make a film idea of, David Nelder, of anyone wanting to have sex with Boris Johnson, just like you. Not even if I was stuck on a what's it island with nobody. You, I'd rather have sex with a tree. I'd much rather have sex with a tree. You know, I'd love to have sex with a tree if I could. As she said, uh, like... a, a, a hardwood. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to turn this into baseline stuff now. <laughs> so I have some fun with it. I mean, I wrote notes on this saying I was I put this in as you know by my version of this tweeted as a for a lighthearted moment. But the moment I started thinking about it, it just made me actually feel physically sick. And I was like, no, 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 blah, blah, blah. I know you don't. Nobody, no woman wants to imagine that heaving on top of her. Really, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a, a lot of women have. Though. But that's what I'm saying. How does he? How one? How does he get these women? And power. they're all good looking. Yeah, power. Of course, ah, it's power. Yeah. And power. secondly, how has he got the time? I can't squeeze in one relationship into my busy life in lockdown. Because he's not working, Sajila. That's why. Yeah, but, yeah, which, which then begs the question that he's not running the country properly. He's not doing his job properly. Well, if you've got time to, you know, t- affairs take time. This was in 2012. So he was London mayor. And I guess there wasn't a lot to do other than the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the time. Do you think, I think there is a bit of a dividing line here in terms of maybe not just a, a political scalping that Steve was talking about and the morals and the, and the, the shaping of that view, but also, like, you know, there's hard, there's a lot of Twitter out there. Well, there's, there'll be a lot of people out there going, oh, Bozza, he's a boy, he's a boy, he's a rascal, he's a wag. And then there'll be some be like thinking, oh, you know, I can't believe he's had an affair because because they probably couldn't plan one themselves and are probably really <laughs> jealous. <laughs> he got lots of minions to plan out his diaries and book hotels and find the women. Yeah, and, yeah he you could know. have employed people. I mean, could yeah, take the exactly. jobs away. Helps the oh, economy. <laughs> helps the economy. <laughs> and paid out of our paid out of our money, which is clearly what's happening in a lot of ways for a lot of things. So you know. Well, well yes. you, yeah, someone who criticized Muslims so much. Um, he's you know, he's he's kind of managing a few effectively wives. Uh, well, then yeah. the rule is that you've got to treat them equally, but uh, oof, still, I, he probably I might does source... treat them all equally badly. 
maybe the wife was in agreement just like sorting out her work you know that she didn't want to do like she just wanted the powerful <laughs> man and the you know be the be the wife of the mayor and whatever how many times has he been married i mean it doesn't really matter if he's married or a relationship but it's just oh, twice okay is it? Yeah, as yeah, long as he's at least a couple of times, I think. Yeah, yeah it's not. not yeah, got why do we yet. find it abhorrent? Is it because he's such a despicable human being? Because I must admit, when I've seen people in the past have affairs, I've never been, never been, you know, I don't really care. I don't really care. I remember when it was David Blunkett yeah. in the papers, when the News of the World was still a thing, and they ran two big front page things about David Blunkett having various relationships. And that was when I really like cemented my opinion of this isn't I just want to judge someone's work output before I have an opinion on their work. And it's my own confirmation bias, my own political bias that when it happens to Boris Johnson, I am more like, well, oh, he's going to end his career. But I suppose I should cling to the fact that doesn't matter Un unless I am married to Boris Johnson. It shouldn't actually matter if he's not faithful to the people he's married to. To me, but doesn't but that also opinion. show this kind of person? He isn't it because it's, isn't this whole affair thing? No, it's not anyone's business. However, it does show someone who can't be trusted. Surely these these are things that we should judge a man by who's running our country. Like, can you be trusted? You you've you know have you behaved despicably to other people? If you can behave despicably to a person who you supposedly love, how are you going to treat a country which you don't particularly love, you don't really engage with? You know, do you know what I mean? I think I, I'm not sure if it's just specifically about the affair per se. It's about the kind of man this our, our leader is effectively. Mm. But, but being man, a liar, lie to people, as you say, that you profess to love. How? Why will you not lie? To he can't, he can't about sleep that. with all of us. I'm sorry, guys. He what? He can't sleep with all of us. <laughs> yeah, but he's fucked us all over, isn't he? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> Is it jury juicy? No. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the other, you know, the nice thing I, I think about this is the fact that you can sing Jennifer Arcuri to the tune of Never Ending Story, but, you know. <laughs> oh, well, Jennifer Arcuri, la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great musical waiting to happen. Come on, anybody in lockdown can create that, make it happen. Um, so, uh, uh, ooh, yes, what else? Yeah, what, what have we got? What have we got? Uh, clock forward. There's been quite a lot of. Uh... I love, I love a bit of sex rock and roll in the mix. <laughs> you know. I mean, but the, the, well, what are our lives if Boris Johnson's fucking affairs? Excuse me. Uh, the sex rock and roll of Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't say that he's a second. It's sex, but it's not rock and roll. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're waiting for the rock and roll. I bit. don't know if it's sex either, but that's another thing. I've got a quick, got a quick one here. We could all, I don't know, maybe answer just yes, not more than yes or no. But um, so the author Ian Leslie suggested post reopening, um, post lockdown, obviously, restaurants should add an optional twenty percent hmm. COVID recovery charge to every bill and to help them get back on their feet. Most customers would pay it. No. Discuss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> interesting I'm just gonna, yeah, no, I'm going to say no. That... I'm, I, I don't want, I don't, I don't even want to leave lockdown. I'm not going to go to a restaurant. I don't want. Then it doesn't affect you then, Sajila, does it? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, and if I go, I haven't got the money. I've got just as little, you know, it's affected my industry. I, I you know, I've been sort of, Where's my 20% from audiences in the future when we go to do comedy then? I'd like them to put a COVID recovery for the comedian charge then. 
we can put so it, then yeah. nobody will effectively the lockdown will never end because nobody will be able to afford to go to a restaurant nobody will be able to afford to go to a comedy night or to the theater or anything so we'll all just stay at home and then you know we won't have yet another wave of covid so it might just work out very well for everyone i mean i suppose technically speaking you could just add a coat you'd have to then argue a covid recovery charge for yeah like you say all sorts of places, really. Sorry, Steve, yeah, what not were you going to... Just... The problem with the COVID recovery charge is it, it looks good and, you know, it, it, you could feel like you're being moral to say, oh, yes, I'd love to do that. But it's the opposite of Eat Out to help out. It would, by increasing prices, stifle demand, which is not what you need to do if you want to get an economy going again. Like, oh, yeah, we'll make everything more expensive. And what's that? Best case scenario, you've been on furlough at 80% of what you used to earn. Worst case scenario, you've not had a gig since last year, so you can't afford anything. Things are more expensive. Now what are you going to do? You're right. Th this would just mean that we all stay at home and don't start to get money flowing again. Um, so it should go in the opposite direction. And that's good because my inner northernness comes out. And I think 20 extra 20%, I might get an extra food for that. Let me jog on. <laughs> <laughs> 20%, it's, what's the tips? Is, is it... What's the tips? Uh, 12 and a half is, is standard, isn't it? Five and a half. Yeah, so 12 and a half. 12 and a half uh, to 10 to 15 percent sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You could that, and that's where they get you because you can only do 15 percent in your head. 12 and a half percent. It's yeah, easier yeah, just to pay the extra. And that's the whole thing. This 20 percent. Can you imagine trying to work out a curry for the 10 friends that you've taken or six friends are you allowed to right. go out? And, good and, round and, number. Good <laughs> yeah, and, and what's the VAT? which is also on top of the bills. you got your bill, you've got your, what, 20% yeah. VAT, plus you get a 20% COVID recovery charge, plus you pay a 20% uh, maybe, you know, if you, uh, what's it called, <laughs> tip. I mean, really, that's that's 80%. So your I'm meal has basically doubled. Yeah. I see where yeah. you're going. I see where you're going with this. Basically, the receipts would just be so long as that would be environmentally <laughs> unsustainable. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that counts it out on that score. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> I can sort of see where, you know, I see where he's coming from. I see, it just feels like, you know, like Steve said, you know, eat out, it's not eat out to help out. It's more like, you know, eat in and get rinsed, really. Yeah. Why not just have like, a you know, a tip thing on the, on the a bucket, on, on the bar, on the way out, should you care to empty your change in here to help us with the recovery you know then it's then it's not i don't like these extra things that i haven't expected like that, that that's why i struggled with america when every time i go i forget they've got the you know they add the the, the mm -hmm. is it, yeah, 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 yeah at the end yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh and the, and i'm in the dollar store for god's sake i bought five dollars worth of stuff right <laughs> why is it coming out to eight ninety something dollars that's all I had was five dollars. So yeah, I don't want I don't want surprises like that. And let's say it makes me sound really cruel and nasty, but you know, I've suffered this past year too. I've got to sound like a monster. Everyone, <laughs> suffered, everyone <laughs> suffered, but also change. It just made me think, when's the last time anyone actually saw cash? I had yeah. cash. I no. don't even use my card anymore. I use Apple Pay on my phone now. Yeah, tap. This is the irony of Alan Turing finally getting what he deserves, getting on, on some notage, as on the £50 note. When are we ever going to see a £50 note? But the irony is, it's been replaced by computers, and whose fault's that? Alan Turing. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that. That, that, that is definitely being clipped. <laughs> oh, right. Now, let's see. Uh, we're doing quite well, actually. We've got about 15 minutes or so left. Um, oh, well, a bit of showbiz. We've got... Showbiz with, with, with Riz. What have I got? Let's do um, 
Uh, Oscars. I want to talk about. I want to talk about kind oh, casting. Oh, I actually, want to yes. talk more about. But, 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 what am I talking about? Here so we there's go. kind casting. Uh, um, Heather Bleasdale, that one. Oh, there's World Theatre Today. Yeah. I retweeted, which my daughter put out. So combined with that and kind casting, I do want to talk about World Theatre Today. Is I'm just curious about what is going to what post pandemic. Right, you know, theatre or anything's going to look like, actually. Because for me, personally, as an actor, I am freaking out at the thought of being in a theatre in physical proximity to people. Mm. Uh, I can imagine the globe, you know, because it's open air and stuff, and if you don't have people stuffed in. Uh, but if theatres are going to be working at, I don't know, whatever percentage of their capacity, how they're going to be able to afford it. It's a minefield. I know some theatres are preparing shows to restart, but I don't know. I wonder what it's going to be like. That's the theatre side of things. Mm. Um, yeah. I think the, the economics is going to be the tricky thing, because if you can only be 60% full or 80% full, probably 80 is too many, isn't it? So if you're only roughly half full and you're not going to take as much money on the bar in the interval, which I guess is a big slice of what money comes into places like that, then this is when you need the government to step in and fund things like that coming back by subsidising. Those, yeah. the, the ability to get the arts back when until the arts can have the training wheels taken off and, and survive on its own but it can't make it back on its own without a little bit of help the arts can never on. make it back on its own in any case because it's already it's underfunded and do you remember that hor horrible ad that came out with this girl tying her ballet shoes and oh. this thing that said oh you next oh, time you're, you're as a solicitor uh, you know, and, and then my thing was like, okay, so you don't want to uh, to help artists survive. What would you have done during this whole bleeding yeah, yeah, yeah. pandemic? What were you watching? What were you reading? What were you playing? Oh, it makes me so angry. Okay, I'm angry. We're with you. We're with you, uh, Shabu. We're, it's just that we're actually even below. Yeah, what the are the lawyers? Is... I want to know what the lawyers, the, the accountants, the um, the bankers, the people who are supposedly you know, thinking, oh, we don't want our taxpayers' money to fund these artists, you know, because without funding, it wouldn't happen. I want, uh, you know, where, where would they go for their thrills? Go and have affairs. With <laughs> Let's not answer go that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's more expensive well, in the long run. I, I so think they can still use uh, cash money in those places. <laughs> well, Bor Boris gives money out, so, uh, you know. <laughs> That's easy, not what easy. Alan Turin deserves. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few cheerings in there. So, yeah. But oh, Chibu, I'm so sorry. I, um, I want to put a real that. No, 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 no. I think <laughs> I think we would agree with because obviously Steve, as a comedian, uh, you, you you know we we're actually below even theatre because nothing was yeah. happening for comedians, as you know. Um, how do you see comedy clubs surviving? Because obviously I can tell you from a promoter's point of view, but how how do you see it panning out for comedy? Because the comedy world is really you know, it, it, it's it's that's what I worry about because that's all about get packing in as many people as you could. That was the old kind of fashioned style yeah. of comedy. Where where are we going to go with this now? Well, we're definitely not going to get the funding that other arts might because we've never been considered as an art. Um, the the hope that I have is that we we might have something similar to what happened in two thousand and eight. So you end up with a a weirdly shaped recession, and it stopped people paying for other forms of entertainment. So when I was thinking, well, the gigs are going to dry up. You know, um, the 
subprime mortgages went whatever they did. And a few years later, I thought I'll be out of work. And we weren't. We actually saw more people in comedy clubs because people couldn't afford to go to the theatre or to take every member of their family to the cinema. And one of the cheapest options for entertainment is to buy that 10, 15 quid ticket and have a couple of drinks. So it's not ridiculously priced to have an evening's worth of entertainment and a great time. So hopefully, as the recovery has its weird shape that it will, it will be differently shaped because the, uh, the, the demand should still be there in some way. One of the first things people could do before they can afford more expensive things is come back and see people like us. And also, I think we'll need laughter we'll need things yeah. that can just get our heads out of it because you know the, the mental health impact of this which i'm in, in no way saying that stand-up comedy or comedians at all can help with uh, the mental health issues but having some laughter based release could be good for you i hope that we get a little bit of that that could be a spring in our comedy step that's absolutely 100 percent. yeah and 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 it's not just it is laughter laughter is is a, is a known antidote so anybody who's listening to this it's absolutely true you know you will and as a promoter, I've been in talks with the theatre I run uh, my comedy cottage in, and uh, we, we know we, we're not going to be able to have the capacity that we had before. Obviously, that's going to be quite expensive. So it's it's and you don't want to charge people more because you want them to be. I've always been like kind of quite angry and, and, and about vocal about making the arts comedy available to everybody. So it should be something that's not a privilege for the for, for few. And as you say, Steve, comedy is relatively inexpensive to have a fun night out. The, the breaks are going to be reduced is what I'm told so normally you have two breaks they're going to be just thinking one a shorter evening but I think perhaps people will just be hungry to get out and even if it is only limited numbers but that means that promoters like myself and comedians are going to have to take that hit initially to get things going back into the economy so you know going back to the 20% in the restaurant I'll take yeah. that 20% and put it into my, 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 my industry is what I'm going to do what about you Julie where are we sitting on this um, I was just listening to, to, to these, uh, you know, very clippable uh, speeches, actually. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm still thinking about that 20% COVID charge, actually. Just thinking about how much that would get in the way. Um, yeah, I, I'm really sort of interested about the hesitancy that, you know, like Shobby was saying about performing and proximity to people and, and, and how that's going to affect a certain people. Obviously, there are some people who are just going to be like, you know, totally ready to sort of uh get back to some sort of normality we'll, we'll absolutely need the, the laugh in the whole laughter is the best medicine uh, i mean why have a vaccine laughter is the best medicine we had it all along Don't say um, that. No, the vaccine is the best medicine yeah, the, vaccine, <laughs> the vaccine is the best medicine of course it is. vaccine oh, the side oh, effect of the vaccine tonight. to make <laughs> I need to that, i'll need to put that on the uh, the ticker yep. now yeah you know, comedy will exist again because of the vaccine. You know, um, yeah, there'll be there will be hesitancy, but there will be. I think it will be quite divided along age lines, like everything else seems to be. Um, to be honest with you, why was he having that conversation? Can I just say how angry I am that the Mash report. Me and my son are furious. We're livid, livid, livid in Surrey. Both of us. Well, he's in Greenwich at the moment. Livid that the Mash report ended. Why? Why BBC? Why? Yeah, I'm not why, happy Steve? about it. Why, Steve? Why? <laughs> <laughs> if you want a, a very good argument as to why it should end, you've come to the wrong guy. I would prefer <laughs> if it continued. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it's a it's an interesting time we're living through. I I don't want to say too much, but I I'll think it's okay for me to say I don't think it was cancelled due to popularity reasons. 
And yeah, that certainly got, wasn't the case because we loved it. It did all right. You know, figures-wise, it did all right. Social media, it did okay. So it depends what your goals are as a broadcaster. And they're in charge of their goals. And they came to the decision that that show wasn't fulfilling whatever their goals were. So it's back to the same old, same old, same old that none of us have got any chance of getting on to. Hmm? <laughs> it's back to the just having no work at all, left, right or centre. Yeah, the yeah, radio, no, no, right, no works at all. So, so um, as Julian has put on the white thing at the back, which means it's almost coming time to close the show. Um, so can we okay. share one positive tweet? Oh, can we do the showbiz? Can, oh, we, do, yeah. can, we, do, can we do Can we do showbiz? Um, uh, so Riz Ahmed, Riz, yeah, 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 okay, I have cool. to say, I have to give this a big up because yeah, totally. um, I think it was right down because it was like it was right uh, down, yeah. early on in the week, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It's just below. I'll get there, don't worry. Okay, it's uh, underneath <laughs> there the tag. the credits yeah. roll. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love this, so Riz Ahmed. Um, so we're both from Pakistan. Oh. Uh, Pakistani was just saying he's been nominated for an Oscar uh, for a film <laughs> about um, about uh, deafness, which and of course I'm deaf as well. So this has kind of hit so many ticks, so many boxes. And my son got to play a young part, a young version of him in a film a while oh, back. And, oh. and and so he basically tells his cousin, this is so grounding. My cousin Adnan legit didn't know what the Oscars were. While the gas, I won Best Client Engagement Award for the financial quarter. Other cousin steps in. Nah, it's not as big as that because he didn't win anything. It's more like getting an email from your <laughs> boss, which is hilarious and so, so true of Asian families specifically, but I'm sure you've got family members who just don't get what you do. They don't get, I don't understand it in any achievement. It's just kind of poo-pooed like, yes, but we know what is this thing you do? When are you going to start getting a real job? Um, so big up to Riz Ahmed for being nominated uh, for the film. And, um, you know, a, a fellow Asian, fellow Pakistani Muslim, it's it's all sorts of proud. Um, and it's such a great thing. And I think that's a great hopeful sort of future and in terms of changing the landscape of, of you know, stories that get told and also people who are now... Um, with everything the past year, Black Lives Matter, diversity, showing that. And that's what the MASH report was for me, you see, Steve, was that seeing that diversity on our screens in all forms, such shapes and forms. And it, it, so, yeah, let's more have more of that. So big up to that. And, and she'll be as a, as a fellow actress with, you know, Riz, would you, would you please to see this? Sorry? Were you pleased mm -hmm. to see this as a fellow actress, a fellow Asian Oh, absolutely. Actress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think the thing, the, the funny thing is when you go get Oscars so white and BAFTA so white and everything so white, they all get really panicked and suddenly everything is black and brown. But I'm not complaining. I'm like, yeah, okay, get the stuff up, see it, then judge. And, you know, there'll always be people, I think, who say, oh, yeah, well, you only got that because you're brown or black or whatever. But that's just something. Go, yeah, whatever, bro. You know, but good luck, better luck next year. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens. So it's wonderful to see. And Riz has done so much. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the thing is that you get people, you'll get that singular person. What I want to see is uh, is there be being more people. So it's not one Just person a, sticks out like a, I don't want to say sore thumb because it's not a sore thumb. It's a great thumb, but it should not yeah. be like that. It should be more and more. It, there should not be a singularity to this, I think. Yeah, I think Stephen Kay, uh, Matt Amos used to say, wasn't it, that he was never going to get on TV until Lenny Henry, you know, retired or, 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 or you know, was right, killed. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, have you, do you have any thoughts on this, Steve, quickly before we finish? I think it comes back to a little bit, uh, we talked about social media democratises the ability to get stories out there. One thing that's great about what's happened is loads of money's gone into streaming services, and it means... Whenever you can get money away from the hands of the gatekeepers, which is what the film industry was for so long, 
good things are going to come from it. You're going to end up with more stories being told. You're going to end up with more diversity. You're going to end up with stories that should be made into films and films that will be good being made rather than all the billions of dollars are controlled by a few companies and let's make the fifth installment of some big franchise, which I'm, you know, I'm sure there is the argument about the maths. It will make its money back. But are you making stories that are worth seeing if it's, oh, I wonder what these superheroes would do in this situation again for the 11th time? <laughs> yeah. There are more, there are more uh, things worth seeing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I want to big up a fellow comedian, Misha K. Ali, who's now working for Marvel, has created a, a, a Marvel superhero character with a hijab, which I'm sure we'll try and get her on the show in the future. But we are coming to an end. So go on, Julian. Yeah, yeah. Well, let <laughs> me bring this into land a little more slowly than I uh, got us up in the air. Um, feeling all relaxed now. I think the paracetamol's kicked in. Um, so firstly, uh, a bit of housekeeping. Um, if you're watch still watching us on the stream, thank you very much. I'll have a look at the stats later. Uh, if you are, please do think about, uh, this is the high tech part of the show. Please do think about donating to us at, go to buy me a coffee and yes. look up Let's Kill Twitter, essentially. Uh, you will actually coffee. see. That's all right, it's on the, it's on the ticker okay, now. Okay. It's on the ticker now Oh, as well. brilliant, I can't see the ticker, um, but yeah. It's nice and easy to do. Um, and join us, well, join us next Sunday at 8.30 for our Sorbet edition, which is Sajila and I putting the world to rights for about half an hour. So that's, you know, short and sweet, essentially. Um, and then on April the 11th is our next full show. And we have got fabulous comedian guests, Alex Keeley and Anna Morris. So please do get in the Zoom room for that. Join us in the Zoom room, preferably, or watch us on the stream again. Please follow us at LKT Zoom as well. You know, the all important Twitter account. Um, and before I go, guys, um, what, what would you like to plug? What would you like to plug? It's your free space now. I have not known. Why don't you warn me about these things before? Uh, well, you could just talk about the one woman show again. Yes, yeah, one woman show. Well, I could, the um, film also, script. Uh, sorry. The film script you're working on. Um, yeah, not doing lo loads of sort of bits and bobs on writing um, and hoping to uh, more poetry actually trying to get a poetry collection together. So that's uh, so all these things in tandem. Watch this space. I hope. Good stuff, Steve. Um, thanks for not having any other work. I've got a very active eBay. So if you'd like to buy any of my clothes, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> uh, the thing I'd plug would be me and Eric doing our comic solving problems Tuesday and Thursday, nine o'clock. Uh, we it's a comedy streaming show and it's fun. And there's sketches in there and it's we address the problems in the news. And so far, number of problems solved up to date. None, but that's None. it. <laughs> it's a 100% record. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to follow our guests, uh, you can follow Shilbu Kapoor at Shilbu Kapoor on, on Twitter and Steve Allen at Steve, Mr. Steve Allen. Is that right? Steve N. Uh, yes, N. Allen. Mr. Steve N. Allen. Mr. Steve N. Don't forget the N. What does the N stand for? It doesn't actually. So my parents didn't give me a middle name, so it stands for nothing because I don't have nothing. That. Steve, nothing. Allen. Steve, nothing. Allen, love it. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us, both of you today. Thank you for giving up your time. Uh, it's been a joy spending an hour in your company. Um, thanks, Shubal Kapoor and Steve N. Allen, and of course um, us. I've been yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, I've been Julian. Stay behind in the green room, guys. We'll chat to you later. Um, thanks so much, Julia, as well, and, and to our fabulous guests, Joe Kapoor and Steve and Alan. And we will see you next Sunday for the sorbet and uh, for the fourth show after that. Uh, thanks very much. Take care. Goodbye. 
So there you have it. That was our show. Thanks very much to Steve and to Shobu. And thanks to the Ever Given, who I think really did provide quite a lot of the entertainment there. So naturally, I'm crossing my fingers for another large container ship to become lodged in a major trade archery at some point. But before that happens, please do give us a follow at LKT Zoom. If you'd like to support our work, you can do. You can go to the buymeacoffee.com webpage, find the Let's Kill Twitter section and make a donation there. In the meantime, we look forward to being in your ears again very soon.